When I was 17 years old, a few years ago, my life changed. I remember I was at work and a friend came in with some devastating news. My boyfriend had been killed in a road accident. Tragically, the car that he was in hit a lorry, head-on collision. He was killed instantly. I was 17. And that news knocked me down in so many ways. I had a vague understanding that God was good. I had been raised in a loving home. My parents were practicing Mormons. So I had a concept of God. But the death tragically hardened my heart. And so therefore all forms of faith and religion to me became irrelevant. After all, how could a loving God How could a loving God let that happen? A young life, a good life, needlessly taken. And my philosophy in life was therefore shaped. Life was short. Life was to be lived. Death was the end. That was it. And our time on earth really was meaningless. And to fill the emptiness in my life, I looked for satisfaction in many different places. Fast forward a couple of years, and I found myself in Spain, Barcelona. Anybody from Barcelona? It's a beautiful place. When we travel again, yeah, online. <laughs> Hola, como estas? When we get to travel again, hopefully you can visit Barcelona, beautiful city. It was there that my life was changed once again. But this time, instead of death, I found life. Instead of emptiness, I found love. I encountered God. It wasn't anything super dramatic. It was actually just in a dream. But in my dream, I was standing in a church, and Jesus appeared to me. And I just knew it was Jesus, although I didn't know much about who he was. And he told me, Carla, I want you to shine for me. And that was it. Then I woke up. <laughs> I can't really explain that that change had in me. In many ways, it was gradual, but in other ways, it was instant. And I found myself suddenly in a place of longing to know God more. Through being in his presence, through reading his Bible, I would spend hours alone just chatting with God. I would devour scripture. I was fascinated by the gospels. I was fascinated by the life of Jesus, the man that he was and the things that he did. The Holy Spirit was a companion to me. And my time in Spain was truly special because it birthed in me a hunger to always pursue God, to be in his presence. And in pursuing him, I got to know him more, to understand his love. And even though I was living in a foreign land with no friends, 
had no real future, I found myself completely satisfied. So today, my question to us is, how do we pursue God to know him? And how can we enter into his presence, experience him in new and profound ways? And as we start this new series in the Psalms, I turn to Psalm 63, one of my favorite Psalms, to share with us some insights about what it looks like to desire God's presence and the ways that we can pursue God to get to know him more deeply. And the bold declaration that the psalmist's relationship with God speaks of reminds me of my days in Spain when God's presence was all I needed. And it's my prayer today that as we look at this psalm, you would be stirred, I would be stirred, we would be stirred to really hunger for God's presence. And in doing so, we come to know him just that little bit more. So before we read Psalm 63, I want to give some context. We know the title tells us that it is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now commentators generally agree the Psalm was likely to be written by David, belongs either to David's wilderness years before he came to the throne of Israel, when he was on the run from King Saul, or to his brief exile from the throne during the rebellion of his son, Absalom. But regardless of whether it was before or after he was king of Israel, we know it was a time when David is on the run, away from the safety and security of his city, hiding in the arid desert lands, his future uncertain. And knowing this context makes the psalm even more amazing, because David, with his life in danger, physically and mentally exhausted, doesn't focus on physical wants and desires, but rather focuses on his spiritual needs, a longing for God's presence, a satisfaction in who God is, and an assurance that his God will deliver him. So as we read together, let's keep that in mind. Now you can watch it on screen, read it on screen. You can get out your phones on your iPhones or whatever. Or you can close your eyes as I read. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. 
Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. From this psalm and other psalms of David, we know that no matter what season David is in, the ups and the downs, he always comes back to pursue God and his presence. I like David has ups and downs. It makes me feel better about those times where I'm saying, God, what are you doing? Or God, where are you? It helps also knowing that in pursuing the presence of God, it's so important for us as Christians because we cannot truly know God unless we know his presence. Unless we know God, we will struggle with that genuine satisfaction. As Paul writes, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret that Paul talks about is found in the relationship that we have with God, in knowing who he is and the love that he has for us. So how do we pursue God to know him? Psalm 63 helps us. First, we see confession as an important key. At the very beginning of the psalm, David declares to God that he, Ulahim, was David's God in the most fundamental sense. Oh God, you are my God. That was a significant statement by David. Polytheism, the worship of multiple deities, was very common during David's life. All the nations had their own gods. And even amongst the Israelites, God's chosen people, that temptation to worship other gods was strong. And time and time we, we see it. They failed to stay true and faithful to their God. Even when they experienced incredible miracles and God's deliverance time and time again. But David, for all of his failures, did not worship any other gods. And he led Israel as a king devoted to worshiping the one true God. And we hear in Psalm 63, right at the start, his allegiance to Yahweh. This is significant for us today. Deuteronomy tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Hear, O Hong Kong, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And Timothy for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, if we confess to know God, we're choosing to believe in Jesus. We are aligning ourselves to his teaching. There is only one God. There is one way to him through Jesus. Now, I know that is not culturally popular, right? 
As a pastor, when people find out what I do, often they will say to me, oh yes, Christian, yes, Jesus, I believe in Jesus too. I also pray to Buddha. Or, well, you know what? I think all religions, all faiths, they're all good. They all lead to that one place. We're all going to heaven. To truly know God means to choose allegiance to Jesus, recognizing he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. To enter into God's presence, we must have that personal relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you believe in God, and you consider all religions as a way to God, to really know God in his presence, we must confess Jesus is our Savior. For those of us that know Jesus, we call ourselves Christians, but how do we live out the confession of our faith? Are we publicly open about our beliefs? David glorified God with his lips. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you. And with his hands, I will lift up my hands. And for David, the lifting of the hands was not only the common posture of prayer amongst ancient Hebrews. It also displayed that anticipation of gratefully receiving God and that sense of surrender to him. Do we lift up our hands in surrender? What do we do with our hands? Do our actions glorify God? What is our public witness to those around us and the things that we say and the things that we do? We can sing songs and raise our hands in worship on a Sunday. But how do our hands and lips confess our faith Monday through to Saturday? So how do we pursue God to know him? We do this by confessing Jesus as Lord and living surrendered, obedient lives. And then next we see meditation as an important key to pursuing God to know him. David says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. David was not at the sanctuary when he created this psalm. He was in the wilderness of Judah, far from the tabernacle tent that housed God's presence in Jerusalem, far from the safety and the security of his city. Yet he knew that God's sanctuary was not only a place, but a spiritual concept that could be entered by faith, no matter where a person is. He had witnessed God's power and glory, not just confined to a physical place, God's presence is not just confined to this building, but he knew God's presence was everywhere around him. He knew God's power. He knew his love. And so he declared, love, your love is better than life. That Hebrew word for love that David refers to is chesed. It's the idea of faithful love in action. It's expressed in both God's loyalty to his covenant and his love to his people. Theologian John Oswald describes chesed as 
as completely undeserved kindness and generosity. The scholar Daryl Bock writes, Chesed is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God. Love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. In short, acts of devotion, loving kindness that go on beyond the requirements of duty. This is the type of love David understood. A covenant loving kindness that David declared was better and more meaningful than life itself. David was so moved and overwhelmed by the greatness of God's love. He tasted it. He knew it, the vastness and worth of it. Do we know God like that? Do we love God more than life itself? Do we really know his chesed love? Of course, loving God more than life doesn't have to end in anything as dramatic as martyrdom. But really knowing God's love means we do not give up on God, even when things do not go as we had hoped. I think we would all agree that things have not gone as we would have hoped or imagined these past two years. Do I hear an amen? Do I hear an amen online? No one would have anticipated how our city would have fragmented in the protests of 2019 and how fears for our future have led so many to leave or think about leaving Hong Kong or how COVID would impact us all in different ways that we are still yet really able to fully comprehend. I know we all have a story to tell where things have not gone as we would have hoped or we would have planned. We too find ourselves in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In July 2019, as one of the senior leaders of this church, with Andrew away on sabbatical, much needed sabbatical, it was a very challenging time for us to navigate through the unrest unfolding in the city, the impact on our staff and on you, our congregation. There were times when Wan Chai was literally on fire and ensuring the safety of our people was a priority. And at the same time, knowing that God had called us to be a light in this city, a place of refuge, and a place for restoration. The streets were full of hurting people. So walking in that tension, dealing with the many differences, was not easy. And then during this time when I needed to be far, focused, sharp, on the ball, able to make lots of decisions, I got sick. For weeks, I lived in a fog of pain that often brought me to my knees in agony. And for those of you that suffer with pain, you'll know what I mean. There were times I ended up, well, twice I ended up in A&E. And honestly, every day was just a survival, taking pain medication to get through that time. I didn't understand why I was suffering this way. I had a job to do, a church to help lead, 
a family to raise. But yet, through this time, the protests and the pain, I learned to be completely dependent on God. By seeking his presence, his love sustained me. And looking back, I see the many different ways that he carried me through this difficult time. At the start of the pandemic, my son was hit by a bus. Every parent's worst nightmare, a call that told us our son had been in an accident and it was serious. Honestly, it's a miracle he survived. He was on his bike, riding down the road, the hill, when a bus on the other side of the road overtook another vehicle and didn't see Ben. It was a head-on collision. Ben was rushed to hospital, and thankfully, 18 months later, he's made a full recovery. Yay! But it was a terrifying time, and COVID restrictions didn't help. It meant that we were unable to be with him as he was kept in hospital for a week. I did what I could only do. I sought the presence of God as I knew only he would be able to sustain me through this. This was out of my control. And he did. He carried us as a family through this dark period. And then just six weeks ago, we find ourselves once again waiting outside an operation theater. This time it's our daughter who had to go through major surgery. I've known God's faithfulness to us as a family in the past. And this time would be no different. I turned to God once again to be in his presence, to allow him to minister to my weariness and fears. I pursued his presence on my daily runs or in my quiet moments as I traveled to work on a ferry. I sought his presence in the middle of the night when I could not sleep. I knew his presence in my time here at church gathered with you, worshiping, listening to God's word. Praise God, our daughter is recovering well. Our family has ridden the roller coaster of emotions, but even in the hardest circumstances, I see God's care and love for our family. And God wants you to know this love too. It's in the good times but it's in those difficult times too. And like me, David's meditation on God's enduring and committed love was often through the night. You know, those slow advancing hours after midnight. David said, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Often insights of who God is and his love come at night. Do we give God this time? How often do we really slow down to remember all that God has done? Are we woken at night because God wants to talk to us? Is it the only time we are really still? Do we allow space for his presence to meet with us during that night watch? There have been many times that I've been unable to sleep and I found myself on my knees, sometimes praying, sometimes simply remembering God's faithfulness to me and my family. 
Sometimes it's simply in awe of who God is. I remember one night in the early hours of the morning, I was woken up with this strong urge to pray. And as I knelt at the end of my bed, I suddenly felt such a strong presence of God in the room. I was profoundly aware of my own sinfulness and God's holiness. It was overwhelming. And yet it gave me a glimpse, a little bit more of who God is. God in his holiness, his power, his glory. And just for a few moments, I was deeply afraid. But then that flood of reassurance, of knowing that because of Jesus and his blood, I can enter God's presence and I do not need to be afraid. When we take the time to meditate on what God has done for us in the past, when we witness his power at work in the present, when we understand his love, we are sustained to have the confidence that our future is secure, no matter what it may bring. So how do we pursue God to know him? We do it by meditating on his love, his goodness for our lives. And David's confession and meditation led him to a place of satisfaction. And that has been true in my life. I know God. I'm assured of his love. I know that he delivers me. And David knows that too. He knows he will be delivered. And the last verses, they appear to be quite a pivot in their tone and focus. But really, David is concluding with the assurance and knowledge that God will avenge him because of God's love and faithfulness. David is confident that God will deliver him from his enemies. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Knowing God as our deliverers also brings us to a place of trusting God with the things that at times appear too big, too overwhelming. But God will have his way. There will be his justice. There is his chesed, love. God wants you to know his presence. He wants you to know his love. For some of you, you need to choose to trust Jesus. It's as simple as that. It is not about money. It is not about job satisfaction. It is not about having a relationship or a family that will bring you that satisfaction. It is only Jesus. For some of us today, we need to desire more to be in his presence and experience his love. And you know, as I prepared for this sermon and as I was thinking, I don't want you to leave here remembering the stories. I want you to leave here with a hunger for more of God in your life. We may have grown cold or distant. Some of us will have been Christians for a long time. Maybe just that busyness of life has kept us 
or maybe the hope or loss of hope or fears or the anxiety that comes and seems to be overtaking us. Maybe we've just become too busy with the routine of life that we put it on the list of things to do, but we never get round to actually doing it. So let's choose to pursue his presence more. Ask God to meet with you. Take time to be in his presence so that he can reveal his love to you. Give him time. Sit in his presence. And you will come to know his love that truly is better than life. So would you join me as we stand? I would love to pray for us. Again, as I said, my heart, my prayer is that we leave this place with a hunger to know God. Our city needs to know God. You're a light in this city. If you're watching online, wherever you are, we need to hunger for more of God. That will take us to a place where we do not feel that we cannot deal with the things that we are dealing with. His chesed love will hold us. His holiness will transform us. So as I pray with you, wherever you are at, I pray that you open up your heart so that these words don't just be nice words and the story is good, encouraging story. But something is sown in your spirit. Something takes you deeper, that longing for God. And you leave here so that Monday to Sunday, you know the presence of God in your life. So Father, I thank you as we enter into your presence now and as we have that opportunity to respond. I firstly pray for anyone here that does not know Jesus. I pray that that stirring in their heart right now, the conviction of your spirit, will give them the courage and the boldness to take that step of faith. Take that step of faith to choose to follow Jesus, to choose to make your allegiance with Jesus alone. You cannot, you cannot have Jesus and a multitude of other gods too. You must choose allegiance to Jesus alone. Father, as we pray, and as that person, those people choose you, I thank you for your spirit will step to be with them to transform their lives. And if that is you, then please, after the service, come down, talk to me, talk to a pastor, talk to a friend. Let us pray with you as you journey and continue your journey. And Father, I lift to you my brothers and sisters in here and my brothers and sisters online, wherever you may be. And Father, I pray that you would stir in us a passion to pursue you, as David longed for you, even for more than life itself. I pray for that revelation of your chesed love in this place. 
Chesed love for those at home. Chesed love in the city of Hong Kong. We need it. Our children need it. Our youth need it. Chesed love, Father, found in your presence. Chesed love that allows us to know you more and more. Chesed love that is transformative. So, Father, thank you. We will hunger for your presence. We will choose our allegiance to you. We will confess you as Lord. And we will spend time to meditate, knowing that you are so faithful, so very faithful. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.